the Transparent Truth proudly presents the Friday Morning Matchup Show with Coach and Greg Biggins. Ha <laughs> ha! Welcome, welcome. You now listen to the Friday Matchup Show. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'm in the building, CBS Studios, live in the Miracle Mile. I'm with my man, the GOAT, Greg Biggins. GB, what up? What up, Keith? It's the Friday Matchup Show. Sorta. We got special energy today. You you got special energy. You got your monster over there. I do. It's all finished, though. Um, you know what? This matchup show is going to be unique. It's extremely. We only have five games this week. A lot of buys. The whole Trinity League is off this yeah. week, so that takes away a lot of them. There's a few other really good teams that are out. Narbonne's off this week. So yeah. it's going to be short and sweet. But you know what? We got two pretty special guests. They're going to chime in and give us some some really nice insight that you can't get anywhere else. You know what? And, and this is how we do, GB. When you talk about expanding coverage, we're going to do it big. We got five games, but we got two special guests. That's how you know we're putting extreme emphasis on the games between the lines. So without further ado, let's get cracking. We're going to start up in the Pacific Northwest. I want to welcome in. A man who needs no introduction, but we're going to introduce him anyway. My man, Brandon Huffman, Scout.com 24-7, representing the Pacific Northwest. B-Huff, what it do? What's up, fellas? How you guys doing? You know, Huff is actually a Southern California native out of Ventura. Is, absolutely. That's right. Huff, how does how, how, Ventura, what's the nickname? Ventura. What's his name? They took it on the chin a little bit last week, if I if I recall correctly. Did they? Yeah, that, that was, was Keith. That was Keith's pick to win a CF championship. Was Keith all wet with that pick, B Huff? No, no, I never would doubt the Cougars. Although they have to go play hard again this week, and JT Shroud might have a decent day against the Ventura secondary. He may not. Over we'll under four hundred yards. Five. Over under. We uh, get four hundred, or you think under? Oh, well, let's go under, maybe 390. Okay. I like the confidence in your voice. 390 boys. with a loss, though. Yes, but it's a, it's a character-building loss for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So let's jump right into it, GB. What do we got for our first game? Yeah, so let's jump in. So, so Huff, Eastside Catholic and Garfield, two, uh, two talent-laden teams. I would love for you to speak on that and talk about that game, break it down, top performers, who we watch in this one. This is going to be a very interesting game because Eastside Catholic's offensive line is very, very talented, but Garfield has arguably the number one player, the number one prospect in the state of Washington, regardless of class. I know, Keith, this is a guy that you love a lot, but that's Savelle Smalls, the 2020 defensive end, outside linebacker, tight end, kind of do-it-all guy, who will be in contention for the number one overall player in the country Nation. in his class. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and so he, he's a big-time kid who is going to probably be able to you know, cause some problems for that Eastside Catholic offensive line. But Eastside Catholic's quarterback, Zach Lewis, is really coming into his own these last couple of weeks. He's got some mobility, so he's going to have to do what he can to get away from Smalls. Problem is, waiting in that secondary for Garfield is Treshawn Harrison, the four-star who's committed to Oregon, who can play a number of positions. I like him best as a DB, but Oregon's bringing him in as a receiver. He's in the secondary. Javon McConico, three-star safety, will be back there. So Eastside Catholic definitely has uh, some, some challenges on that defensive side of the ball to go up against. But they also got two of the best underclassmen in the state 
catching the ball, one being G. Scott Jr., 2020 receiver with a number of Pac-12 offers, and then D.J. Rogers, another 2020 prospect at tight end. What I like about D.J. Rogers, a lot of pressure was on him this year to take over for Hunter Bryant, who's seen significant time as a true freshman in Washington. Now, Rogers has six touchdowns through the first four games for Eastside Catholic. So you're going to see a lot of talent. This is probably going to be the one game this year where you're going to have the most Division One guys on the field in any one game. And a lot of it's younger talent. A lot of guys that we'll be talking about in 2019 and 20. So with Smalls and, and Trayshawn Harrison on, on Garfield, Eastside Catholic with G. Scott, with Aiden Hector, uh, with, with D.J. Rogers, and then a guy we talked about earlier in the week, J.K. Tuomolo, 2021 outside backer who got his first off from Washington. A lot of young talent in, in what's going to be a league game. The depth is what's going to be the difference in this game. I like Eastside Catholic to win this game. I, I think they actually probably win relatively convincingly, but there's going to be some fireworks in this game because a lot of those Garfield kids play for the rise uh, for the now air football seven on seven program. A lot of those Eastside Catholic guys are part of FSP. So these guys have been, have been talking a lot. They've been playing against each other all off season. Now the pads are on the game matters. It means something. This is going to be a firework laden game come Friday night. Firework laden. Yeah. Those two, those two organizations don't care that much for each other. Do they Huff? They, they don't. There's not a lot of love lost between those two teams, and it, it carries over a lot to Friday nights. I can't wait. Hey, Huff, so can we can we count on you to come on next week for the Wednesday show and break this one down? I would be glad to. Because you know what? Now we're going to be spoiled. We're going to want you to come on every single week, Huff. You know that, right? You know that's how it works. You come on, you do a great job. Now we're going to be spoiled and want you to come on every single week. Well, I never miss an episode, so to hear my voice might be one way to get me to stop listening, but I'm no. glad... For you two guys. Hey, more of you, less of us is always a good thing, Huff. That's the I, truth. I mean, That's the transparent truth right there. I know Keith won't agree with me, but I, dude, <laughs> I've always said your voice kind of reminds me a little bit of Andrea Bocelli. Aww. More like Barry White. Barry White. Uh, it, now, Barry now White is up there too. <laughs> hey, Huff, I got a quick question. So, yeah. Savelle Small, the kid I spent a lot of time with this offseason, think he's a special talent. But more importantly, I think as a special kid, if you had to compare him to someone current or formerly in the NFL, who does he remind you of when you watch him play? Man, you know, that's a tough question. I would say from a personality standpoint, you know, he's, he's a unique kid. He's a real happy, real smiley kid, you know, off the field. And then, then you get him on the field and – He's got an edge to him. I'm trying to think of a, of a good player personality comparison. Um, you know, as, as a player, I'll tell you, the guy he, re, he reminds me a lot of, and this going back a few years, is Austin Safarian Jenkins. And when you look at the versatility, Austin Safarian Jenkins, a lot of people thought he was going to end up being an offensive tackle. Some people thought he was going to be a defensive end. You watch him as a tight end, though, a guy that big that can move that well and catch the ball that well. I mean, so those like that when he's catching the ball as a tight end, but this big kind of this big athlete that you don't see a lot of guys that can move around like he can. And I think the, the comparison is there a little bit too, because they're from the same part of the, the country. Uh, but you know, Austin Stern Jenkins was, was adamant. He wanted to be a tight end, ends up going and winning a Mackey award as the top tight end in college football. So, you know, they're, they're very similar size, kind of at the same age, a lot of length there. Uh, so I, I would say that might be a little bit of a comparison just because there's that positional versatility they showed kind of earlier in their career. 
as he gets along, you know, as a defensive end, um, I think a guy like, you know, Michael Pittman might be another comparison. Um, you know, he's bigger than Pittman, but same thing. They, they can shine at a number of different positions. They're just pure all-around football players. You know, we, we said for years, Biggins and I, that we thought Michael Pittman could be a big-time outside linebacker at the next level. And, you know, when you talk to Sidel Smalls, he says that, you know, some schools think he's going to go into a defensive end. Some schools say, hey, if you keep your weight at this age, or this way, you're an outside linebacker. But then you watch him catch the ball, and you're thinking, man, some school might want to use you as a red zone target. So he's kind of a unique player in that respect. So I'd go to the ASJ comparison right now just because of where they're at in their careers being very similar. Coach, I know you love comparisons. Who, who would you compare him to, college or NFL right now, if there is one? Yeah, no. Um, you know, if you break down Savelle Small, he's kind of a jumbo defensive end, right? He's a young kid, but he's all of six three and a half, six four, probably two hundred and 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 thirty five. He reminds me of probably a young Mario Williams, kind of that oversized defensive end who can overwhelm you with power and or speed, and can turn speed into power. Um, and like B. Huff said, his versatility. Didn't think a kid that young with that size could move as well as he does, but he he's actually <coughs> exceptional side to side and moving his feet. Um, he's got the length. I mean, a, a young Mario Williams. That's kind of what I see from Savelle Small. Now I don't think he's going to grow to be six seven, um, but I can see him absolutely being about six five, hmm. and with with that type of movement ability. I think a young Mario Williams is probably a good comparison for me. Huff, what what about a guy who just was it last year's class? You know, I think Savelle is probably a, an inch or two taller, but you know, Hunter Bryant was about two forty, right? Two thirty five, versatile, could probably play three or four different spots. How would you compare those two guys athletically, frame wise, uh, upside wise? I know Hunter's a guy who you know we all loved, and you've been watching him since eighth grade. Compare Hunter <laughs> to Savelle Smalls. Yeah, that's that's not a terrible comparison, too. I think the difference is is that Hunter was such a pure tight end that while he could play defensive end, he could play some outside linebacker. In fact, I remember seeing Hunter in the spring of his sophomore year playing on a 7-on-7 tournament with Chase Claypool, who's now at Notre Dame starting uh, out of Canada. And you watch Hunter move around at linebacker, and you think, this guy's a power five linebacker. Certainly, but he was such an exceptional tight end. I mean, some of the best hands that I've seen from a tight end that didn't go to Stanford over the last decade, and that's where Hunter Bryant kind of fit in. So you knew that when you watched him play, linebacker could be his destination, but he was such an elite tight end that early on it was pretty easy to kind of to pigeonhole him in that position where he's going to have a great career at Washington and play in the NFL. But there's a lot of those same similarities there. You, you look at, you know, Savelle can catch the ball uh, very easily. He's got he's a good route runner, but he also really moves well in space. When you, when you saw him on the 7-on-7 seven seven circuit this summer and, and in the spring, he was playing linebacker. He wanted to show that pass coverage ability. And so you saw kind of like what you did with Hunter Bryant. You saw that ability to move in space and that, you know, if Savelle Smalls never put on another pound and he ends up being a cover-type linebacker, that's not going to be an issue for him. That's not going to be a stretch. He told me a couple of weeks ago when I was up on campus that Tosh LePoy had told him when they offered him at their camp this summer, hey, we, you know, we want you to be a linebacker for us. We want you to get 250, 260 and be an outside backer. And Alabama's one of the only schools in the country that can tell a 260-pounder, you're going to be an outside linebacker for us. Almost everybody else says, no, you're going to end up being a defensive end for us because Alabama's the only one that gets 265-pound outside linebackers routinely. But 
but he's actually pretty good in coverage. In the first game of the season, he had an impressive interception where he kind of rushed the passer, tipped the ball to himself, and then outran a very fast Archbishop Murphy team to the end zone. So you saw the instincts. You saw his ability to catch the ball. You saw his ability to run. So that Bryant comparison is not too far off. The difference is Savelle's got a couple inches, like you said, Greg, and I think he's going to end up getting a lot bigger over the next couple of years, like where Hunter did not get as big. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. Huff, thanks for coming on. You got anything? I do. I want to. I could keep Huff here all day long, but I know we got to move it along. But dude, when you're when you're in town in SoCal, I know Keith. We both would love to have you come in here. We had Biggie Marshall. We had Matt Logan. It'd be only appropriate to have the goat himself, Brendan Huffman, talking about everything, all things Huffman. Talking about Avery, the Avery Foundation. Talking about how you got your start. Talking about the, the, you know, where you were when the Angels won the 2002 World Series. All that stuff is all in play when you're in SoCal. You, you got to come in with us. I'd be glad to. As long as you tell me, Greg, where you were during Game Seven of the 2002 World now, Series. I was there, 12 rows back, baby. Third base dugout. Greatest day of my life. Would love to hear more about that. Done. Done. Thanks, Huff. Thanks a lot, Thanks, B Huff. How good is B Huff? Man, listen. Just a, a quality guy. Man, listen. You should do a man listen on Huff and his greatness. Yeah, just a, just a quality guy. Stand-up guy. Hey, speaking of greatness, how about the De La Salle program? Years and years and years. They are taking on a Bishop O'Dowd program coached by my good buddy, Napoleon Kaufman. Maybe the, maybe the best high school running back I ever saw. At a Lompoc. Yep. Lompoc's got some dudes this year. They got an Austin. They got a running back named Austin Jones who can absolutely go. He is going to be one of the top junior running backs. Oh, Dowd. What did I say? You said Lompoc's got some dudes. Just want to correct did you. Did I say Lompoc? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Bishop O'Dowd. Napoleon Coppin came from Lompoc. Yes. O'Dowd has dudes. Yes. They have a guy named Javon Holland who's one of the elite two-way players going both ways, going to University of Oregon next year. They have a safety I like a lot. Quinn Brennan who committed to Colorado State. I didn't watch this tape until after I saw his commitment. I'm like, dude, this guy can go. He's mean, physical, nasty, rangy. Miles Owens is a tackle, former basketball player. I love those basketball players playing tackle. I think it's a great transition sport. Oh, yeah. Miles is going to Cal. Austin Jones, though, he's really the star. He's really the star of that team. He's, he's going to be a top 100 player next year, one of the top junior running backs. De La Salle, coach, you just saw De La Salle. Was it last week? Yes. You saw them play Bishop Gorman. Yes. So you know what they got. Absolutely. Not their best team ever, right? No. But still good. Yeah, still a really good team, but yeah. not their best team ever. Not not no question. Speak on that. What do you what do you like? What what you know yeah. what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, you know what? The Bishop Gorman athletes gave De La Salle, you know, fits. Hmm. Dorian Thompson Robinson with his movement in the pocket. Uh, Speedy Naylor down the field. Brevin Jordan was a mismatch anywhere one on one. Adam Plant, you said they had trouble blocking yeah, they, the whole they had, Gorman D line. They had a ton of trouble blocking Adam Plant. They just didn't. They weren't very efficient with their ground game, Greg. It's kind of like instead of three yards in a cloud of dust, it's more like one yard and no dust. Yeah. Um, I think if Bishop O'Dow can be physical at the point of attack, stay low, pad level low, play with hands, get off blocks, play with leverage, play disciplined football, which is going to be key versus that triple option, right? That that split veer. If they can play discipline and play physical, they got a chance to knock off De La Salle. I know it's been a, a long time since they've been knocked off by somebody in NorCal. I can't right? remember how long. That's it's a... probably been 25 years. Yeah. 
My guy, Nap Kaufman, Napoleon Kaufman, man, he's the head coach of that squad. And, you know, they're going to be fired up, ready to play. And I can't wait for them to get off and really fight, fight for every inch of that game against De La Salle. That's going to be a butcher match. It's those inches. Your boy Austin Jones, man, I'm intrigued yeah, he's good. to see this guy go. You talked about him being a top 100 talent. 5'11", 190, he's got 4'5", speed. He's got size. They got athletes. If they can spread De La Salle out, I know Henry Toto is special. He's a physical backer. He's sideline to sideline. We know about Tui, you know, on the defensive line. But, man, the De La Salle team, man, I don't know. I didn't see it, Greg. I did not see. Are you going for an upset? I feel like you, you want to go I'm, with an upset. I'm going to pick an upset here. I'm going to go with Bishop O'Dowd to knock off De La Salle and give them their first NorCal loss in a 100 years. You got a score, too, or you, you want to just go? I'm going to give you a score. I'm okay. going with it right now. Okay. Bishop O'Dowd. I'm going to write this down. Yep. Bishop O'Dowd, 21. De La Salle, 17. If De La Salle only scores 17 points, I will give you the rest of my monster collection. Greg, you don't have any more monster left. My wife gave all my monster away. (laughs) I'm not even joking. The wife is known to to be a little, you know, have a glass of wine and be a giver. Okay, hey. I love, she listens to the show. Yeah. Have much, much love for the wife. Much respect. Has a glass of wine and gives away all the Thanksgiving, you know, turkey away. Yeah. That's leftovers that, is that what sucks. we do. Yeah, that sucks. Had a couple glasses and gave away not about 30 to 40 cans of Monster. That really sucks. To just random, okay, they weren't random strangers, but. You want God, your Monsters back. I want my Monster We're gonna back. We're going to take a trip to Corona and go get do you we, some. We do, we do. So, but you know what? Here's the deal. If De La Salle only scores 17 points, when I get another case of Monster, I'm going <laughs> to give it to you. I got a case of monster on them scoring at least thirty. You haven't seen De La Salle, have you? I know they did. They put up fifty, forty against that St. John's team. That Bishop no, they scored thirty-five. They scored was it thirty-five? Yeah, thirty-five, thirty-one, I believe. That was the final. Yeah, and they kind of got lucky. There's no luck in football. Uh, you know better than that. Stop. Uh, let's move along. There's going to be some monster. I, I, I think, dude, Pastor Pastor Coffin's my guy. I love him. I see De La Salle winning. I just I don't see them scoring only 17. I think they're going to score around 30. It's going to be a fun game. I hope I hope Austin Jones goes off. I hope it's competitive. I know it will be. But I still think De La Salle, at the end of the day, it's going to be tough. Very, very tough to contain, stop, hold down, all those good stuff. Austin Jones versus Henry Toto. Great matchup, Greg. Two elite talents on either side of the ball. They're going to get a chance to meet each other I, I and think- get Get well acquainted. I think Henry had a big game running the ball this past week. I yeah, meant to, he, he meant to mention him yeah, in the he, stats. I think he had over 100 plus. Yeah. So we got Edison San Clemente. This is going to be the Fox game of the week. Uh, a rematch of last both last year. Both these teams won a CF championship. They met in the Southern California deal to see who goes to state. San Clemente won that game. That was Dave White's final game. Yeah. This year, San Clemente's undefeated. Has a couple nice wins on their schedule. Struggled a little bit against a solid PV team last week. It was 0-0 at halftime before they put up a couple of touchdowns, won that game 14-0. The week before, they put up about 100 on Murata Valley. Edison had a, a, a tough loss against Oaks Christian. That was when They kind of got Oaks Christian going a little bit in that sure. game. 
but Edison has beaten everybody else. Both teams got a couple of intriguing quarterbacks. We got Griffin O'Connor for Edison. We got Brendan Costello for San Clemente. Costello's a guy who had a big game just two weeks ago. He kind of wrestled that job away after transferring in there. But uh, Brendan's kind of a dual threat guy. He's rushed for over 200 yards on the season. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards. Yeah. I'm looking those stats up as we speak here, so uh, forgive my slowness. Griffin O'Connor, he's more of a, you know, he can move around a little bit, but he's kind of more of a pure pocket guy. You know, he's a guy who's thrown for over 600 yards, you know, five touchdowns, needs to protect the football. Sometimes he gets a little careless with it. you got to protect that football, value every single possession. Edison always plays really, really good defense. They can run the ball a little bit. They have a guy I like. He's a senior running back. Carmichael is his name. First name is Jack. 6'3", 190, big old back. Yeah. San Clemente's got a guy I love, one of my favorite high school players. Not an elite D1 guy, but Jack Shippey, just a great, good high school football player. Just always seems to make a big play every game. Game-turning plays, Jack Shippey. Chris Kane's a good-looking tight end. Again, mentioned Edison before. Really a good defensive team. This is a good game. It well, is how, a good game. How do you game. see this one? What do you think? You know, it, it is a good game. I think it's going to come down to Edison being able to stop San Clemente's run game. San Clemente, San Clemente is pretty balanced. They got a running back, Austin Whitsett. He's ran for over 400 yards, about five or six touchdowns. Um, you know, and the guy can get downhill. They always got a pretty good running back who kind of gets downhill behind the big physical offensive line. They've got to be able to, Edison is they, they've got to be able to contain San Clemente's run game. We know Shippy is a dual threat as far as running uh, on the outside, catching routes or on defense, making plays, getting his hands off the ball, on the ball. Like you said, Chris Kane, he's a playmaker at tight end. San Clemente wants balance, Greg. And I think if Edison can make them one dimensional, which is shut down Whitside, right? Austin Whitside, the San Clemente running back. I think they have a great chance of avenging last year's loss to San Clemente, which was Dave White's last game as the Edison head coach. Yeah, the Whitside kid is is pretty good. You know, he's 5'10", 200 pounds. And the thing that's that, that's kind of tough, and, and we all know this, they're not just San Clemente isn't just balanced, but they have a running quarterback. Yeah. You know, Costello can run as well as he can throw it. So it's one of those deals where you shut down the running game, shut the passing game down, and all of a sudden they're running back. Quarterback goes for 10 yards, yeah. extends a play on third and 15, he goes for 20. That That's always tough to contain a running quarterback who can also throw it. So I'm leaning towards San Clemente in this one. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised at all if Edison pulls it out, but I think San Clemente this year, they look a little bit better. Should be a good game, but I'm leaning towards San Clemente. I'm going to take Edison, Greg. I think this is a revenge game. I think Edison's going to come with a lot of juice. I think they're going to avenge last year's loss. I'm going to take Edison, 28, San Clemente, 27. So the two big games that we kind of talked about earlier, these are the two headliners, big timers. We got Calabasas, undefeated, taking on an undefeated Valencia team. This is a rematch from last year. Valencia was up early. Calabasas rallied without Darney Holmes in the second half of that game. This year, Valencia, they look really, really good. All those guys last year were young. But you know what? Calabasas was young last year, too. They returned a ton of talent. I'm really intrigued by this game. I think the, the, the matchup to watch is going to be up front. The skill talent on both sides is very good. And you know, we, talked, we talked a ton about the receiving core at Calabasas. Uh, Nico Hall is back. He missed a couple games. He's back now. We both love Johnny Wilson. We love Micah Pittman. Jaden, how about this stat? Jaden Casey, the quarterback, sophomore, really 
efficient. No sacks, no interceptions. Going against the Valencia defensive line, that gets plenty of pressure, plenty of sacks, plenty of hurries. How do you see this one breaking down? Well, it's, it's such an interesting and intriguing matchup on, in, on so many levels and in so many areas. Valencia's defense kind of been a quarterback killer the first half of the season, Greg. I mean, they took Jack Miller over at Chaparral in Arizona and basically bounced him on his head like a choke slam from The Undertaker and blew them out, and they've been running roughshod over everybody. They've got excellent pass rushers on the edge. My guy, Ben, what's his name, Ben Seymour, the returning CIF Defensive Player of the Year has been dominant, but he's got another guy on the other side, Josh Daniel. Kid, I believe, had 10-plus sacks last year. He's on a hot start this year. Man, they, they get up the field, and they cause havoc in the backfield. They've got great quickness. Can the Calabasas offensive line keep that Valencia defense, and especially a defensive line who's very, very active, very, very aggressive up front? Can they keep them at bay to give Jaden Casey and those receivers time to get down the field and make plays on the football. I think that's where the game's going to be won and lost, Greg. No, I 100% agree. And, and you can say that almost about every game, but the tougher team up front, unless the other team just has an overwhelming skill. But, you know, obviously if you're, if you're Calabasas, you probably want to counter running the football a little bit, right, Keith? And they've had three different players at times this year all go over 100 yards. Uh, Keith and Gooden, just a junior. Uh, he's a guy with five touchdowns. Also, uh, Johnny Williams, uh, another guy averaging something like – Five, six, seven yards a carry. I think yep. even even more than that. But uh, again, Calabasas, I'm I'm really intrigued because the knock on them in the past was always you know great skill, little soft up front. Sure. This year, it sounds like they have their best offensive line in a long time. If they could run the football a little bit with those guys, they got weapons. Casey's Casey's good. He's a sophomore, but he's really good. I don't think there's been a drop off at all. I was a, a Tristan Jebbia fan. Can they? If you give him three seconds to throw, he's going to find someone. Valencia, talk about their pass rush. We love Mikael Wright. He's one of the elite corners. He's gonna, you're going to match him up on one of those guys. I don't know if it's going to be you know, Wilson or Pittman, but you're going to match him up. But that still leaves two other guys that are pretty highly uh, acclaimed that can get open against just about any defense. Yeah, and this is true, but you also got to remember Javon Wilson, right? Yes. The defensive back. Slash running back over there at Valencia. The kid is six foot two, two hundred and five pounds. He can run like the wind. He's very aggressive, big time hitter. I know they pretty much play him at safety, but I got a feeling he's gonna get a chance to match up with somebody. Maybe Johnny Wilson. I think it's gonna be a battle of the Wilsons out there on the perimeter. Of course, we love Michael Wright. At the minimum, a four star player and a big time recruit. I could see him and Micah Pittman going head-to-head, one-on-one, all night long, like the old song used to say. Yeah, the first, my first ever concert was Lionel Richie. Hey, all night Parents long. took me there when I was like eight oh, years yeah. old. I didn't know, oh, yeah. any, didn't know any better, but at least I can claim I was, I was my first ever concert. Look at you, soul brother number one, Greg Biggins. Yes. No, it's going to be great, though, man. Oh, it's, I'm excited. There's, there's so many top-flight matches. I think Mikey Irvin's going to play a big a big role in this game, offensively and defensively. Can he get a push against that Valencia offensive line? Who you know they don't have a ton of big time names as far in terms of 
high recruiting acumen, but man, they got some guys who get off the ball low and hard. They play with leverage. They work in tandem. They work in unison. They get a push. They've got backs, Moises Haynes, Javon Wilson. And, of course, when they pull it out, listen, Connor Downs can throw the ball down the field. And let me tell you, Michael Wright's averaging about 50 yards per catch, Greg. The guy's got like 10 catches for almost 500 yards. I mean, you're you're barely exaggerating. That's pretty accurate. And he's got six touchdowns, too. I think Moses Haynes is a really intriguing guy. I think he just fits the whole – Valencia identity, which I, I hope we're not trying to paint this picture of, you know, Valencia tough, Calabasas soft, because we're not saying that at all. But just Valencia is known for being real physical up front, whereas Calabasas has traditionally been known as being that team with all the skill. Sure. You know, the, the Bookies, the Darnays, um, you know, last year with Jebbia, Keyshawn Johnson, just all that skill talent. So I'm just, can Calabasas on both sides of the ball? Moses Haynes is a downhill physical runner. Sure. Defensively, they want to get after you. Referring to Valencia, they want to rush the passer, be tough and physical. When they run the ball, they don't run it with dancers. They run it with guys that are going between the tackles, yeah. downhill and tough. Calabasas, again, I think Mikey Irvin's got to step up. Sure. Right? He's the Arizona committee. He's a big body in the middle. Uh, Reggie Hughes. Reggie Hughes is, sure. a, is an elite. Again, this is a 20-sack pass rusher from last year. He needs to have a big game. If not, hey, Solange, is he back? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a five-game sit-out. Right. Where are we at? This is I like, think this should be game. Is this game six, six for them? I'm going to look that. You keep talking, yeah. Coach. I'm going to look that up yeah. and see how many So, games. Nahe Salunga, the transfer from St. John Bosco, who's a big-time performer, transferred to Calabasas. If available tonight, he could be a big part of the defensive strategy for the Coyotes. So I have Calabasas at 4-0 right now, which means that he cannot play. It's a five-game sit-out, so that's big. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who can physically stand up against any offensive lineman. He's a Colorado State commit, and I think once he starts playing, he'll, he'll get some Pac-12 offers. So, uh, God, we can go on and on and on about this game. It's, it's a fantastic Thankfully, matchup. it's on prep zone. Yeah. It's going to be – everyone can watch it. Um, we got our, our boy Evan Barnes is going to be there. He'll be on next week to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So – you know what? I'm going to give you a pick for this game, Greg. And give me a pick. I think it's going it's, it's a great matchup. And I think these are two fairly even teams. I'm going to give the nod to Valencia. I think they're going to take out Calabasas for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think this is probably the revenge game of the year. I think they felt like they had Calabasas last year when they had all those five stars. Hmm. And now they get them again. And number two, I think... They're playing with a bigger chip on their shoulder than Calabasas is. Calabasas, of course, we know, won a CIF championship, went to the regional game, lost. Valencia's trying to get to Calabasas, was trying to get to where Calabasas was at last year. And Calabasas is in their way, and I think Valencia comes away with their physical run game, with their attacking, blitzing, aggressive, fast defense, and their athletes on the back end. I got Valencia, 37, Calabasas, 24. And just so people know, we record the Friday matchup show earlier in the week. So this is, this is a Thursday night game, and this is going to air on Friday. So don't think we're silly when the scores are, are coming out a day after the game. Is, uh, our podcast is going to come out a day after the game is already played. Which, speaking of which we got to talk a lot about also the big Shamanad-Sarah matchup 
also a Thursday night game. So this podcast is coming out Friday. I think we both feel pretty comfortable that it's going to be tough for Sarah in this game. And we love their skill and their athletes. But I think it's okay for us to put it out because I've seen it on social media now. But, you know, Sarah's big-time quarterback, Blaze McKibben, uh, struggled early, made big strides those last two or three games. Blaze has really come on, but he's going to be out with, a, with an injury. Don't need to disclose it, but just need to say he's going to be out. Uh, that's going to be tough. I mean, he was thrown for 300 yards in the last three games in a row. Even though lost against Punahou, I, I literally saw the light bulb go on for him, and he had some big games the last two weeks. So you got Sarah still has ridiculous skill talent at the wide receiver position. Uh, leading receiver right now, catch-wise, is Johnny Jackson. Brian Addison is a ridiculous matchup. Max Williams can, can play some slot. He can do some things. You got Kobe Smith. He can move all over the place. Running the football, you know, you got David Urey, another guy you can put in the slot and do some things that, you know, that they got skill that, that can match up with anybody. Shamanad's defense is, and I mean this as a compliment, it's a Trinity League defense. It is a big Physical. We were there against Bosco, and for about three quarters, they were equally as tough and as physical as Bosco was. They kind of just ran out of gas at the end. That's just between the Trinity League team and everyone else. But Shamanad is big up front, right? Sure. Talked about Liam Gohuli quite a bit. Yeah. Blake Anzalados. Alex Gubner. Alex Gubner. Jonathan Thomas. Jonathan Thomas. Yeah. The other Thomas. They're not related, but the other Thomas brother. Sure. I'm not calling them brothers. I just said they weren't related. I went and called them. <laughs> The two Thomases. The two Thomases, sure. And they got two legit D1 quarters. Rankins and, and this past week, Dallas Taylor or Dallas, Dallas Taylor Cortez made a uh, commitment to, to Iowa State. You know, Rankins is, is one of the better junior quarterbacks that we've seen. There's no, no holes in that Chaminade defense. They're good. Yeah. This, How about that? This just in. They're pretty good. Hard-hitting analysis. They're good at football. You know what, Greg? I mean, I can't say anything better than that. Chaminade's defense is legit. They've got players on all three levels that are high Division I caliber players. They can run. They're physical. They hit. Um, they pursue to the football well. They gang tackle. I love the way the defensive line plays with their hands and gets off blocks. The linebackers scrape and play downhill to the ball. The defensive backs, though highly recruited, I think there are some opportunities for Sarah to kind of exploit their secondary a little bit, considering the number of athletes Sarah has. But, man, that Chaminade defense is tough, man. If I want to talk a little bit about Sarah, right? So let's talk about the mm-hmm. Sarah defense. Okay. You talk about guys like the linebackers over there at Sarah. At Merlin Robinson. Merlin Robinson. Little Houston. Little, little Justin, Justin Houston. Houston. Those guys have got to step up and play big-time ball on the road. Alex Van Bully is going to get the peel 20 times plus coming downhill. If you do not tighten up your chin strap, if you do not put a little bit of extra tape on your <laughs> wrist, he's going to run for 200-plus yards. Sarah linebackers, you got to come downhill filling gaps and holes like a tissue paper. You got to come down like a cotton ball filling somebody's nose that's bleeding. You've got to stop any run game coming off tackle. Because if you let Van Bully get four, get five, get three, get four, next thing you know, he's going to rip one off for 50. And the morale of your defense comes down, and it's going to be a long night. 
Sarah defense, you got to play with intensity. You got to play assignment football. You got to play physical. Use your hands, get off blocks. Stay low with your pad level. Van Bully is going to get the peel, and it's on those linebackers to stop him. I'm putting the onus on you. Either get it done or go back to Gardena in a milk carton. We need that Sarah D line to step up as well. I don't care how good Merlin is, and I think Merlin's pretty dang good at football, but if those offensive linemen are just throwing the defensive line aside, getting that second level, and have, he's got two guys in front of him, it's going to be a little tough for Merlin. So Cav, D-line, also needs to step up quite a bit. You know, a matchup I'm really intrigued by, and I think we talked about it before. I don't know if it was on air or not. We talk a lot yeah. just, just because that's what we do. But, you know, Michael Wilson. Sure. Max Williams. Yeah. You know, Max, Max right now, he wants to cover Antonio Brown. No question. He wants to cover Julio Jones. Max is fearless. He is. Max is also, you know, a 5'8 corner against a 6'2, 6'3 receiver. So if you're Chaminade, you got a really efficient quarterback, Ryan Stevens. You're going to be able to run the football. Play action is going to be in effect. You're going to have some one on one opportunities for sure. That is going to be the game within the game. I love the little game within the game boxing matchups. Sure. You know, Max, does he have Addison over the top, or does Max say, get, him, get the heck away from me? This is my matchup. One-on-one, let's go. You know, if Max gets his way, he's going to want to play one-on-one. And, and if, you, if, I, if I dive into this one-on-one matchup, Greg, here's, here's what I see. Michael Wilson, not a, he's not a speed demon. Now, he's a big physical receiver with size and length. He can run, but he's not, he can't get on that highway like that. So I don't think Max is concerned about Wilson running past him. Where my concern lies is Wilson being able to use that chicken wing and kind of box young 5'8 Max Williams out, using his body to create separation out of his break. How do you defend that as a young defensive back? You got to be able to read the hips. Once those hips drop, you got to be got to be able to drive on the football, stay in the hip pocket, and make plays on the football without causing a flag, without getting there too early. So it's a special ability you got to have as a defensive back. Max Williams has that; he's shown that uh, throughout his career, Sarah. And uh, it's just going to be a great matchup with Wilson. Yeah, I mean, for me, and we've talked about this before, he might be the most technically sound high school DB corner in the West Coast this year and it's just he's so instinctive and I remember even Scott Allenberg telling me when Max was just a freshman that he does things just so naturally uh, that he doesn't teach you, you just can't teach it he'll, he'll come off a guy and go and pick up another receiver and it's the right play but he's just going how did this kid learn that we never taught him that he just, he just knows how to play the game and I think again the, the, the interesting thing is you know Wilson does he know how to use his body about, you know, use, Michael Irvin, for me, was one of the best I ever saw do that. Just that little push-off at the very end of the route. You know, does Wilson know how to do that? If, if he does, he can use his size. He's a strong kid. We've seen that firsthand against Bosco. It's going to be a fun matchup for sure watching those guys. Max's technique in short area quickness versus Wilson. I think he's got a little more downfield speed, uh, better size and strength. So really, really good, really fun matchup for sure. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. I can't wait. And, and lastly, we got to mention Douglas Broomfield, QB2, coming in, making his first start on the road, and which, which is probably the, the, the league championship game, Greg. I mean, hey, I've seen this guy. You've seen this guy. I love his upside. He's about 6'2", 6'3". He's a lefty. But, man, you talk about a sophomore coming in with the game moving fast and 
Man, how, how, how do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, that, that's the hardest thing for a young quarterback is to get the game to slow down for you. And I mean, shoot, you know, just watching Ryan Helensky last week against Orange, for, for Orange Lou, you can see the dramatic difference between the, the game slowing down for a kid. And last year, and Ryan's a kid who started, but the game was moving really fast. And so that's the, that's something that you can really tell if a quarterback he's starting to get it. You know, with Doug, I can't think of a worse matchup for him to come in and, and be a guy to start and have a Chaminade defense that's mean, aggressive. They're going to rush him like crazy. A lot of one, two-step drops if you're Sarah. You know, just get, complete some passes. Get Confidence is going to be everything. You do not want to start the game with him having to go down the field and potentially, you know, throwing a pick, the other, you know, come back the other direction. So, you know, if you're Sarah, I, I, would, I would kid glove it. You know, I would be really cautious with Doug at first. Hopefully you can run the ball a little bit, some sure. high percentage passes. But at some point, you know, you have those receivers. And I, I, as much as I like the Shamanad corners, uh, I like Cor- uh, Taylor Cortez, uh, I like Rankins, I do give Sarah the edge. You know, no one can cover Kobe Smith, Brian Addison, yeah. John Jackson. Max uh, Williams. L.B. Bunkley. LB Max Bunkley. That's five, six guys right there sure. with his name. So that is an advantage. But you've you got to give the guy at least three seconds. Yeah. And that's a lot to ask because those Chaminade D linemen can get after it. I, they're going to blitz Blake. Anzalaus are going to be blitzing the Thomases. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a tough, tough, tough game for a young corporate to come in making his starting debut. You better block 32. I can tell you <laughs> that. He's averaging 15-plus tackles a game. So I'm excited. This is going to be, kind of, again, not a great week in terms of the, the quantity of games, but yeah. some high-quality. High-quality. The next week, league, oh, play, league play starts out. Holy watch out. Trinity. Watch out, baby. Holy Trinity. Every week is going to just be a bloodbath. I love it. There's going to be blood on the field in every game. That's good. On the field. I like it. Yeah, me too. Let's bring this baby to a close, Bring it to a close. Hey, the Friday matchup show. Every Friday you can find us. The Transparent Truth, the matchup show. Follow me on Twitter at CoachKeith underscore MP. Follow my man at Greg Beggins. Follow us. Our show on Twitter at The Transparent Truth 92. On Instagram, The Transparent Truth Show. Without further ado, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.